Awesome. Good morning. Welcome to, what is it, first Sunday of NFL season, right? That's a good thing. And uh, listen, if you got your copy of the Word of God, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, and we're going to look specifically at discipleship and at least what could be a game plan for us as we consider making disciples. Um, I love college football more than I love pro football, and this weekend was a good one um, for some, not so much for others. Uh, but having, you know, coming to know a lot of you and the teams that you root for, I find myself rooting for your teams. I find myself rooting for all the Texas teams. I'm sorry about the A&M loss. I really am. And um, I hated the Texas Tech loss. That was brutal. Uh, but then UT last night, right, showed up, uh, beat the uh, demons of Alabama, and um, anyway, loved that game. And at the end of the game, I remember, um, I've always liked to watch coaches and what do they say when the game's over, right? And Coach Nick Satan, I mean Saban, excuse me, um, it's just a joke, I really do like Nick Saban as a coach. He's, uh, he's really good. And he, last night, what he did is in his post-game interview, he took it and said, hey, here's the deal. We have to execute better. We have to do all these things. He goes, we need a better game plan. He goes, and that's on me, right? And so I think when we think of the, the thing of a game plan is it's helpful to know where you're headed, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to not do. All of these things are important. And when we talk about disciple making, it's easy for us to go, yes, we should all be making disciples, but actually how to do that is very complicated. So I hope that this morning we will get a little bit of a game plan, at least a, a snapshot of the game plan that Paul had when he was ministering to the Thessalonians, and we will see exactly how he went about making disciples. And so my hope and prayers through the reading of God's Word, through examining God's Word, uh, and through the moving and the very present working of the Spirit within us this morning, um, that we will be more encouraged and equipped when we leave here um, to make disciples. So if you would, stand with me. Let's read the text together. We are 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Here's what it says, and it's going to be on the screens as well. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Verse 7, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become so dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. 
For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, enlighten us this morning. Help us to see what you would have us see. Um, equip us this morning, Lord. Help us to see um, how Paul has ministered here. Help us to think clearly about, Lord, who you've placed in our lives, uh, that's, that have these men and women who have discipled us, and who you have placed in our lives, Lord, for us to also disciple. We give all praise to Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. All right. So here's the thing, a little bit of context on this disciple-making thing. Um, we looked at it last week. We, there's some, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, right? It's um, what we call the Great Commission. Uh, let's put the, those on the screen, those verses there. Out of, out of Matthew, we got that? There we go. Here's what it says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You've been around church for any time at all, you know those verses. You, have not, you maybe have them memorized. And it's about, you know, as we go, as we're making disciples, we're to do these things. And, you know, right there in where it says, I am with you even to the end of the age. That is the work of the Spirit, right, with all of us. Uh, with, with Paul, specifically, if you go back to just the first couple of verses in our text this morning, um, what does he say? He says, and you know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi. And you know, here we go, we have boldness in our God, not boldness in ourselves. We have boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God, in the midst of much conflict. So as we go about, and we are charged to what? Make disciples. And then how do we go about doing that? Well, there's one thing you have to know, that you have the Spirit of God with you. And we can have boldness, not in our own selves, not in our own ability, but as it says here, boldness in God to declare to you the gospel of God, right? That's where our boldness really comes from. And now if you want to think through a game plan, well, the first thing you have to do is figure out what, are, what, what is your ultimate objective. What are we trying to accomplish? You know, if you look at any, watch any, anybody before the year, what do you want to do in, in a football game? Do you want to score a lot of points? you want to, you know, run for a lot of yards? Everybody's, yeah, all that stuff's good, but we want to win the game. And so what does it mean to win the game? Well, here, look at verses 12 and 13. Because what we have right here is ultimately what we are trying to accomplish Verse 12, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you, here it is, to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That walking in a manner worthy of God, that is what we are to be about in our own pursuit of Christ. And as we minister to others, it is ultimately we're trying to help them, what? Walk in a manner worthy of God. And how does that happen? Verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, 
which is at work in you believers. So believers, the word of God is at work within them. And so what does Paul do here? He says, we had a goal. Our goal is to help you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And we are also, our goal is what? Our goal is that you would hear the word. Our goal is that you accept the word, not as the word from men, but for what it really is the word of God, which is at work in believers. And so there it is. And so when we're thinking about discipling others, right? When we're thinking about what do we do, and I'm going, if I want to be a disciple maker, and that's what we're looking at all month long, what am I shooting for? I'm shooting to help people change their life through the power of the word of God. That's, that's really it. And so we always need to have that in mind. So that's the goal. Game plan, what do you do? Next is, what do you not do? What do you want to stay away from, right? Football, you don't want to throw interceptions. You don't want to have turnovers. You don't want to do all these things. What do we not want to do as we are thinking about disciple-making? There you go, verse 3. It says this, For we, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We know where we're headed with people. And now you have to check yourself. You have to check your heart. It's really about, do you have integrity in what you are seeking to do? And Paul says, hey, it's not, for for us, it's not about error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. And then verse 4, it says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. This whole thing of people-pleasing, some people really lean hard into that. They want to please everybody around them. Some people, not so much. But what Paul is saying to us here, what God is saying through Paul's words, is that we are not to be about pleasing other people, especially when it comes in contrast to what what God's word is actually saying. Because in this day and time, we want to be, everybody's okay, right? That's the whole thing. Everybody's okay. We're all fine. And if you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you don't identify with the gender at your birth, and that's cool. We, we're down with that. And we just we want to make everybody feel comfortable is a real big movement in our culture. And we cannot disciple others. We cannot help people really grow in the Lord. We can't help them walk in a manner worthy of Christ if we're just about pleasing everybody around us. You know, I saw um, a video clip, and I don't know how, when this happened, but it came across my phone, and it was a, um, it was a senator um, leading a prayer um, in Congress, and really cracked me up. But anyway, I could see where his prayer was going at the end. So again, I think what he's trying to do is go, let's make everybody feel comfortable here with this prayer. And so he prays to something like the the one and only monotheistic God who goes by many names. And he was like, oh, okay, here it goes. He's trying to make sure everybody gets included right in this prayer and feels very comfortable with it. And I was like, gosh, but then he, then I got really chuckled at the end when he said, whatever he said, he closed his prayer with amen and a women. <laughs> I guess he wanted women to feel like he legitimately said, amen, and a women. And I'm saying, well, that is the craziest thing I ever heard ever. And so what is he doing right there? He's almost everybody. He's trying to please every single person there. And we honestly, we just can't do that. As we'll see in just a few minutes, we really are to be gentle with people, love people, but also hold fast to what is true. Um, 
Verse 5. Again, we're looking at what we are not to do. Verse 5. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed. God is witness. And we did not seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. You see, you have to really check yourself, right? You have to go, if my, if my motivation of really speaking the word of God to you is so that you might give me money or whatever there, then, you know, you're not, we're not doing what we should do, right? And if you're just like offering, you know, empty words of flattery, that's not what we should be about. And so when we think about disciple making, we need to say no to, you know, having bad motives, not seeking glory from other people, not trying to please other people. Okay, so that's what we don't do. So then what do we do? Verses 7 through 11. Let's go to verse 7. It says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Interesting, right? You know, and Paul's going, yeah, hey, here's how we approached you. And then he uses like a nursing mother. And um, look, we have two kids. They're both adults now. And I remember that when they were babies, um, and my wife, Meredith, um, she would nurse those children. And I got to tell you, nursing babies is really hard on the, on the dads, right? I mean, you got to wake up and the baby's waking up in the middle of the night and the whole thing's like, it's just very difficult. And, um, but we also know that it's much more difficult for the moms. If you are nursing a child, then that is, that, that is ultimate sacrifice, right? That is ultimately like, hey, waking up in the middle of the night. And I remember some people going, hey, you should wake up in the middle of the, in the, middle of the night with your wife. And I'm going, what am, what am I going to do, <laughs> right? I don't have the tools that I need, you know, to, to do this old nursing thing, right, number one. And then I was encouraged to, yeah, but you should wake up with her to give her moral support. <laughs> and I was like... Appreciate your advice, and I ain't taking it, right? I mean, somebody's got to sleep at some point, you know? Uh, so we really worked hard on the, on the handoff there. But going back to remembering, you know, my wife nursing those kids, how gentle that was. I mean, it was just, I mean, honestly, I wish that I could have done it. You know, I really do. Because it's that, that connection, you know, just seeing, them, seeing her hold those babies. Uh, it was um, it's fantastic. And so that's the visual that we get here. So Paul says, when I came to you, we came to you like what? Out of gentleness. We were gentle with you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And so for us this morning, as we think about how to make disciples, let that picture be in your mind, the gentleness of a nursing mother. And that's how we should approach people. Verse 8, what else do we do? So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you have become so very dear to us. From this notion of being gentle, look very clearly at how Paul said, this is how we feel about you. It's a complicated phrase, affectionately desirous. You know, I have this, um, we have a picture that um, now hangs in my wife's office that somebody gave us many years ago. Um, and it was this verse um, on this print, and it was out of the NIV, which is a little bit easier to see. It says, because we loved you so much, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. And the young lady that gave us that picture um, was in our student ministry, and we knew her since she was in fifth grade. And... Um, 
few years after that, we were moving to a different church, and so she gave that to us because that's how she saw um, my wife's ministry and, and mine um, when, we, as, as when we were with her and with others. And I got to tell you that was really... Um, it's one of the most um, special things I think I've ever been given, you know. Um, she just saw it. She says, you've shared your life with us. You've shared the gospel with us. And because of that, you know, we've now we've had that hanging in our home and in our offices for, you know, many, many years now. And now that young lady, she's a full-grown adult and got four kids. And, you know, and, and we're still, we, we still see her, right, and we still see her family and connect with them. But what an awesome opportunity it was to just really do that whole just sharing life together, you know? Um, it was just, it's, good, it's a good memory for us. Um, you know, there's another picture, too, that I have on my phone. Um, didn't pull it up for the sermon, but it's a picture of a bunch of guys on a mountaintop. And it's a bunch of high school guys. Um, and we were in Colorado uh, off of a, coming off of a Young Life camp trip, and um, we're, we hiked to the top of this mountain. And I love that picture so much because it's a bunch of dudes up there, um, and it's cold, and we don't have shirts on because we're tough, and all that sort of thing. But just looking at all of those guys, man, the opportunity that I had there with them wasn't because I just signed up for some trip, you know, last minute and met them. No, we've been walking together for years, walking together for years. Um, these guys were in my discipleship group, you know. So I was with them in their, when they were in 10th grade, 11th grade, and their senior year. And the stuff that we went through, amazing. I remember just high school guy stuff. I remember one guy in the group, I was really, really in love with this girl, and, but another guy in the group was actually making out with that girl. So <laughs> that was tricky. Um, but we dealt with that. We dealt with that in the group because these guys, right, we had shared life together. And just having to go through what is what is church discipline look like in a situation like that when trust is broken and how do you deal with um, how do you deal with uh, you know broken relationships and reconciliation and conflict resolution oh we we kept doing that over and over and over again fighting through a lot of different things I remember and then one guy um, one guy's father died um, and I remember walking we together as a group walked with that guy right because his, his dad died. I mean, that's what, that's what it's really all about. You know, it's that sort of thing. And one of those guys that's in that picture, now his, he's a full-grown adult now, and he's, um, he's, he's, he's in some trouble. He's, got his, he's messed his life up a little bit. And so, you know, it's, and he's tr- trying to pursue the Lord, kind of not. Um, he rejects people that try to speak too hard into his life. Uh, he's, he's running a little bit. But because we've shared so much life together, I have the open door to speak with him. And so, but what do I do? We'll have to be real careful with this guy because he has shut out other people, right? He shut out other people um, that try to speak truth. And so my job is to go in what gently, right? Gently, because I do, I love this guy. I mean, I've known him since middle school. It's to go in gently, but it's also to what? I gotta go, what is my goal? My goal is to not just hang out with him and have fun, right? My goal is to hang out with him and have fun, but my ultimate goal is that he would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that he would, again, receive God's word, you know, which is a powerfully working within him, right? That's my job. And so um, but I'm set up for that. Why? Because I've known this guy for so long. We shared life together. Um, and, you know, it's, I've got another guy in my life, um, his name is Blake. I talk to Blake about once a month. And we don't talk more than that because when we talk, it's typically an hour to an hour and a half 
phone call. We text, you know, here and there throughout the month. But when we talk, we get into it real quick. It's like, hey, man, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I mean, it's not just platitudes. It's like, okay, well, let me tell you what's happening, right? And this guy speaks into my life. He allows me to speak into his life. And it's it's amazing thing. It's a relationship that I would never trade away because he speaks truth. And he comes, and what does he do? He's gentle with me, uh, but he's also spurring me on, trying to help me live a better life, worthy of the gospel, worthy of the Lord. He is trying to help me to, again, he lets God speak through him, and he recounts different verses of Scripture. And we do that for each other. And that's another good example of, you know, somebody that's in my life. What do you do? You be gentle, like a nursing mother. You want to care for people legitimately. We loved you so much, or we are affectionately desirous of you. Because people know when you're faking it, you know? Um, they just know. There's, um, you have to ask yourself, when you think about people in your life, do, do you really love them? And do you let people in your life that really love you and want to, and want to help you? Verse 9, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. It's labor, it's toil. So this, you know, sharing life together, right? This speaking truth, coming in gently, knowing the people that you're going, this is the person or these are the people that God has put in front of me. It's just not a one-off thing. You have to have consistency involved. There's time involved, you know? And again, people know when you're not genuine. Because as we said, the first thing you need to do is honestly check your own heart. And then verse 10, here's what it says. It says, you were witnesses in God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. So as you labor, as you labor in prayer, as you answer the phone call when you don't want to answer the phone call, when you go to that person's house and deal with the difficult thing, you go in, yes, all this stuff is such a big deal. It's a big deal. And you want to be genuine with people. You want to love them well. And you want to be able to say, hey, before you, I, lived, I was righteous, I was blameless. was our, my conduct toward you. Because again, you recognize the charlatans, right? You recognize those who are out for their own game. You know, yesterday, uh, just sitting around watching college football, um, doorbell rings. I'm like, ah, oh, who's ringing the doorbell? And I go, and it's, a very, it's two very nice guys, um, young guys, and they say, hey, my name is. What's your name? I'm like, my name is. Well, how are you today? And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> my honest thought was I was much better when I before I opened this door. But okay. And then they go, hey, here's the deal. And they, they gave me a business card, and they're telling me that they've got this um, this cleaning supply store um, that they're it's about to they're about to move in and open this cleaning supply store. And I'm like, okay. And I said, I got your card, and I know you're coming. Great. And I said, hey, I've got a gift for you. All right. They gave me this bottle of cleaning supply, something or another. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. And then he goes, then the next thing, hey, have you ever heard of, and I forget what they said, but whatever they said, I never heard of it. And they go, man, that's, a, that's an advanced cleaning method. I can't believe you haven't heard of it. Hey, listen, we've got some equipment in the truck, and if we could just come in and do a quick, a quick demonstration, I'm going, take your cleaning stuff back. Thank you. Uh, I'm not interested in this. Right? But those guys were there for what? Man, they were there, again, the whole, hey, how are you? They didn't care how it was. They were there trying to make a buck. They were solicitors. And I get it, man. People, you have to do what you have to do. But I didn't feel close to those guys by any stretch, right? I even gave them their gift back. So you have to go, okay, do you genuinely love people? 
Do you genuinely care? Do you genuinely want to see people grow in the Lord and receive the word of God because it makes their life better? Or are you in this for some other reason? Verse 11, it says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul comes in like a gentle nursing mother, and now he flips it and says, hey, now we also came at you like a father. We were a nursing, like a gentle nursing mother, and now we're coming like a father with exhortation and encouragement. You see, if we are just, if we are just gentle, then I think what happens is we just get really too soft. We don't have any truth. And then if we're just, I'm just about the truth, you know, if you're just like that, then man, there's not any sort of real gentleness that might make somebody lean into the message of God that you are trying to speak. And so that's why it has, you have to, it's got to be both, right? It's, that's what we call, it's, it's, it's truth and love, love and truth. Both of those things have to be present. I don't want to be the guy that just exhorts people. I, I want to be a person that cares for them. But I also don't want to be the guy that just hangs out and watches football either, right? Let's really speak, right, what God has put on our hearts, what he has given us in his word, because that's where the real, that's where the real work is. That's what disciple making is about. You know, yesterday, um, I got a phone call uh, from a guy that, you know, I've been, had the privilege of working with here and getting to know here for the past handful of months, and, and he's struggling. This guy, he's, he's in a bad season of life, you know? And so, you know, he texts me and, he's, again, he just let me know he's struggling. So what is my job with that? What do I do? Um, I could easily say, hey, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be good. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, just look up, put a smile on your face, you know, whatever. Um, could easily do something like that. But also, in his own struggle, he, I, you know, he's starting to doubt God's goodness. He's starting to doubt where, you know, that God's even leading him in any way. So I could come from the other side going, can't believe your faith is that weak, man. Come on, pick it up. I mean, come on. What are you, I could come like that too, right? But again, looking for that middle. How can I go in gently, you know? But how can I also speak truth from God's word? And, you know, what I, what I spoke to him was, hey, you can't forget that you are in the middle of a tough season and you're waiting on God to show up and do something. And so keep waiting. Because what happens here is it's not the end goal is not, hey, you know, what do you get on the other side of that waiting period? But it's also, what is God doing in you while you're waiting for this season to change, you know? And again, it was Roman, it's, we talked about Romans 8, 28, you know? For, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, which this guy is, all things will work together for good. Doesn't mean it's all going to feel good, but it was like, hey, God is doing something in you right now. He has not abandoned you. It was just truth, you know? But it was from a, I tried to be caring with him as well because the guy's just struggling. So I didn't want to just text him a Bible verse and go read that and you're good. No, we, had, we needed to talk. I needed to hear him. Um, I, needed to, I needed to hear his tears, you know. I needed that. Um, so it was that connection. And that whole thing about, you know, wanting to be full of truth, also full of love, um, it, it's tricky. And so when we're looking at a game plan here, remember, remember what we're after. Remember who, who, what we don't want to be about. And also remember, and it's a, I think if we could just keep the two pictures in mind, the, the nursing mother and then the exhorting, encouraging father, together I think that positions us. It gets us down the road a little bit. You know, speaking of getting down the road, let me tell you, um, 
Some of you know this, because having done a little bit of life with some of you, um, you guys have helped me. Some of you in here have helped me tremendously over the past couple of weeks, because we had a, a scenario that, ooh, this is new territory for me. And the backstory is this, that my son's got this old car. We paid, you know, like $3,000 for it cash years ago, and um, it gets, you know, it's really old. And so I've been driving it for about six weeks in the middle of the hot summer. Air con- his air conditioning's not great, but it's okay. And what do you do with this? Well, you know, take it to the shop, and it needed a lot of work. It needed, it needed more, it, I had to spend more money than we actually spent on the vehicle itself. So we're in between. Like, am I going to spend the money on this car, or am I not? Am I going to spend the money? But all the stuff, it's like, you know, it just needs, it's just old car stuff. It needs a new brakes again. It needs shocks and struts and engine mounts. And, you know, there's some gaskets that are leaking. The guy goes, hey, man, this is just old car stuff, you know? So once we get all this done, that car should run in four or five more years. Easy. And I went, perfect. Paid the money. Got it, got it from my son, right? Got it done. And that's, you know, he's in college, and it's like, okay, so he comes, and we switch vehicles back. He takes that car back to Ruston, Louisiana, where he's in school, and I just, you know, don't want to be too heavy. I want to say, hey, man, don't want you to feel guilty that we put all this money in the car, but let's put a lot of money in this car, <laughs> so just respect it. And um, he drives away, and within two weeks from, that, from him leaving, he calls me, and his first words were, Dad, I'm okay. Good. <laughs> What's next? Well, show the, let's show the picture. Let's put it up. Yeah. I know, right? He's good. You know, and there he is. That's him standing on the hood of that car. Um, yeah, there it is. So that's new territory for me. All right? What do I do with that? Because obviously he's my son, and he's my primary guy that I'm discipling, right, his entire life. My, he and, my, and his sister, my daughter, what do I do? How soft do I go? Because I'm super excited he's good, right? And say, so, hey, it's going to be okay, so it's going to be okay. Or do I come back going, man, that was irresponsible and reckless. And, you know, how do I come at this, you know? Because you want to come at it, um, gosh, it was just a, it was a difficult balance, you know, in those conversations. And then what do we do? What is he responsible for? How do we get out of all this? And so I got to talk to a handful of you guys uh, and gals who really helped me, but, you know, because <laughs> this is new territory. You know, what do we do? Um, and you were very helpful to me. And even in the car, you know, Kevin said, hey, why don't you, since the car is good in the bottom, why don't you just cut the top off and let, use it like a dune buggy? So, <laughs> and we're going to do that. That is, <laughs> the car is now back at my son's house. And um, yeah, we're going to get that top cut off and we're going to have a good time with it because the car is really good, except for parts that aren't, (laughs) you know, but here's the deal. So I had to really think through. I wanted to exhort him. I wanted to encourage him, but I also wanted to do it with gentleness. And um, thank you for those of you who who helped me and my wife sort through what that needed to look like, because that's you building into me, building into my wife to go, how do you you handle this with a (laughs) 21-year-old? You know, it was tricky. And so that's those are the things we have to think about, the game plan, you know, because when we read the Great Commission, let's go and make disciples, and, and we're talking about disciple making, most people, I think, in churches, they just see that, well, that's what the staff do, right? That's what pastors do, and so on and so forth, and I wouldn't even know how to start anyway. So I just, you know, this passage in First Thessalonians is, is helpful to me, and I hope it'll be helpful to you as we continue to think through disciple-making and consider what that might look like um, for you. So let me, let me pray for us, and Eric's going to come back up, and, um, and we're going to sing um, 
our praises to the Lord once again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to meet. Thank you for your word. Um, encourage our hearts, Lord, as we leave here today. Help us to seek out people that um, we can build into. Help us to seek out people that can build into us. Um, encourage us with your spirit. Empower us with your spirit. We thank you for your grace, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.